Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the co-director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, well, we now are actually past the Oscar nominations. Oh, look at that. Because last week we weren't. Yes. And now we can say, yes, Call Me By Your Name was nominated for four Academy Awards. But ARMY wasn't. Yeah, but it did get a Best Original Song nomination for Sophie and Stevens. Yes, it did. And also in that category, Mary J. Blige and... Uh, whole bunch of other fun folks but y'all have already heard that news because it's now a week <laughs> old so we'll move on to other things we can't keep up we can't there's too much stuff happening <laughs> right now we blame the olympics for making everything time you know shift around on the calendar yes that's why the grammys were earlier and the oscars are later and oh, it's so hard to keep up <laughs> but luckily you have us at the pop shop to keep you informed somewhat indeed um, because the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we will be talking about this weekend's Super Bowl halftime show from Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about what we hope to see from his performance, um, also our reactions to the Grammy Awards this past Sunday, Ooh. and much more. And much more. Um, plus, we've got chart news about Dua Lipa, Troye Sivan, Drake's big week on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, and Fall Out Boy's new number one album on the Billboard 200, Mania. Oh, funny you should mention Fall Out Boy, um, because our special guest on the show today is none other than Pete Wentz. Hmm. I chatted with Pete shortly after Billboard announced the band had achieved their fourth number one album, and we talked all about his reaction to the news and much more, so make sure you stick around for that later on in the show. But first... Before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode, and give us a rating or a review while you're at it. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Okay, let's run the Billboard chart numbers and do the chart chat. Here are three of the biggest headlines on the charts. First up, it's all about the Drake on the Billboard Hot 100 as he debuts two songs in the top 10 god's plan opens at number one while diplomatic immunity bows at number seven both tracks arrived late on january 19th god's plan is drake's fourth number one and does so with huge streaming numbers katie is nodding at me well i said late on january 19th i know how late it was because i wrote the story about them when they arrived (laughs) it was midnight on january 19th 
It was, and yeah. Yeah, it was just, quite, yeah. It was a little bit late. <laughs> so late, in fact, that it was actually the end of the night. Um, well, God's Plan actually garnered the fourth largest week on our streaming songs chart ever, as the track bounds in at number one on the chart with 82.4 million streams in the week ending January 25th, of course, according to Nielsen Music. It also sold 127,000 digital downloads, which... Uh, oh, while <laughs> I read while as which while its airplay is just starting to take off. So um, obviously we'll see its airplay pick up in the next few weeks and it'll probably start charting on a lot of our airplay charts. Um, God's Plan is actually the 29th song to debut at number one on the Hot 100 and the hundred. And, wait, no, wait, 1071st <laughs> number one in the nearly 60 year history of the chart. By the way, the Hot 100 turned 60 this august mm. by the way happy early birthday hot 100 um for more on all things drake make sure to check out i think gary has three different stories like at least three or four different stories that gary trust of course the manager of the hot 100 um has written on billboard.com about drake and all of his songs debuting katie what do you think of the song we've both listened to it obviously yeah i i thought it was a really smart play of drake to release these two songs at once god's plan definitely struck me as the more commercial friendly one and obviously that's come to pass as it debuted at number one right um and i thought diplomatic immunity kind of kept his like you know core rap fans happy because it's the more lyrically complicated one and he mentions the billboard awards in there he too. he does yeah. please go to billboard.com and read a great story from uh gary about that actually yeah, we, we got a shout out in the uh, lyrics but i like both the songs they're like just really great drake songs well good and you're also a fan of drake anyway yeah. so you would know um next up friend of the podcast dua lipa hits number one on the pop songs airplay chart with new rules and it's her first number one on the tally it's her fourth entry on the list, but her previous three charting songs didn't even reach the top 20. Um, and as Gary, who I just mentioned, points out online, New Rules, released on Warner Brothers Records, is the first pop songs number one for a female artist on Warner Brothers since, wait for it, Madonna. Oh. With Take a Bow way back in 1995. Damn, that is a drought. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, there's been, Warner's had number one since in, in between those two, but this is just specifically for um, female solo ladies. Solos, solo ladies on Warner Brothers Records. Warner Brothers actually, as of late, has been sort of struggling in the past few years to have a lot of chart success. They've been going through some transition, so it's nice to see them have some success with Dua Lipa. Definitely. Um, also on the pop songs chart, Troy Sivan, friend of the podcast, Troy Sivan. Indeed. His single, My, 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 debuts on the pop songs chart. I had to look around me, sorry. <laughs> I'm literally looking at the chart. It debuts at number 32. Nice to see Troy hit the chart. It's his third charting single on the tally. Top um, 40. Top 40. And it uh, follows his SNL performance, Saturday Night Live performance of the song a little over a week ago. Yes. Strangely, though, um, it didn't cause any sort of sales surge for the song because hmm. um, the song saw a decline in sales. And it actually um, isn't on the Hot 100. I have yet to tell you that I watched SNL with my husband, and he has never seen Troy Sivan in his life. This is his first impression. Oh, boy. And as he was my, my, mying all over the stage, Dan just goes, oh, my. <laughs> that was his reaction oh. to Troy's performance. Wow. He was just, just, just because it just, was... Just, oh, my. Just, was it like a good, oh, my? It was like a, wow, this is a lot, oh, my. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. You're still not saying like like there is. He like, clearly hadn't seen the video or anything where Troy is just like dancing, dancing his ass off right. and like yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, 
Uh, lastly, Fallout Boy debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart with Mania as the set earned 130,000 equivalent album units in the week ending January 25th. It's the fourth leader for the band, and the set starts a little bit stronger than expected, as some industry forecasters thought there was going to be a fight between it and the Greatest Showman soundtrack. The Greatest Showman likes to get into fights with people these last few yeah. weeks. <laughs> this is the second week that we thought there was going to be like a showdown for number Showman one. Showman showdown. And then it didn't really turn into one. Um, with some prognosticators saying that both albums would earn around 105 to 110,000 units. As it turns out, Fallout Boy sold particularly well, especially with direct-to-consumer sales through Fallout Boy's website. And that's what put them over the top. Uh, the Greatest Showman is number two this week. With, hold on, let me check this number. <laughs> Don't mind me, I am just checking the number, literally on a chart. Uh, talk amongst yourselves, everyone. <laughs> We're not going to edit this out. We're going to leave it in there. <laughs> um, okay, I was right. With 109,000 <laughs> units. I didn't want to get the number wrong because I don't want to go back and edit. This is live chart action, people. Live chart action. We've done this before. It's especially handy when we do it near our computers. We yes. just roll over to the laptop. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, go Greatest Showman. Go Fallout Boy. I mean, should we just go straight into our interview with Pete Wentz? Well, I wonder, should we do the interview with Pete Wentz first, or should we do, like, Grammy Talk and Super Bowl Talk? We should go to Pete Wentz, because we just talked about them debuting at number one. Okay, let's go to Pete Wentz. (laughs) Uh, We chatted with Pete on the phone on Monday, the day after he learned that Mania had gone to number one. Katie got the lucky chance to talk to him. I didn't get the... The royal we got on the phone with him. The royal we, but Katie was the fortunate (laughs) one that got to talk to Pete. So we talked all about what it means to him to still be topping the charts this far into the band's career, uh, what they have planned for their upcoming tour around the album, which kicks off in August, and why their song Hold Me Tight or Don't reminds him <laughs> of Larry David. Sure. <laughs> so here's our interview with Fall Out Boy's Pete Wentz. Hello to Pete Wentz, and welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. You're here for a very exciting reason. Um, congratulations on Fall Out Boy's fourth number one album on the Billboard 200 chart with Mania. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> so how did you find out about the number one, and how does it feel? Um, well, I kept getting texts from friends you know, in the industry that were like, it's looking like this, looking like that, you know, whatever. But I'm really uh, an actual crazy person. And one of my neuroses is that, like, it just can't be until it just actually is, you know, <laughs> whatever. So it wasn't until, uh, I think somebody texted me the Billboard article. Um, and I was like, okay. Uh, super exciting. But, like, not in the way, like, cause it's like, I don't know, like, it's not, uh, not in the way that, like, it, it feels, like, because, like, numbers and all that stuff don't really, like, fill a void that you have, you know, like, it just doesn't at all, um, but I think exciting in the way that it's, like, a testament to our fan base, you know, like, they've been very loyal, you know, and I don't think we're, like, we're not an easy, popular act kind of to swallow, so, like, it's just because they go out and buy the record, you know, like, there's no other, there's no, like, ginormous campaign or you know like it's just not you know so like i think it's a testament to them 
Definitely. And I, I, like I said, it's your fourth number one and you guys have been doing this, you know, more than a decade now, you know, what does it mean to, to have this, um, number one, you know, long into your career? Like, you know, it's not like you guys were a flash in the pan. You guys are still making number one albums. I mean, it's, it's honestly really crazy. You know, I think that, um, Cause like we're at the point where I just don't know what like the archetype for us to look at, like what bands we look to, you know, like this band, you know, like Aerosmith. I mean, like there are artists or whatever, but I just don't really, uh, know. So like a lot of our decisions now are, um, uh, like very much like the wild west, like where we're like, I think this is, could be a good idea, but it might not be. And it, it isn't always. So it feels great when you do get like a little W feels pretty nice. And was it especially gratifying um, to have this album, you know, be so well received considering that you had to delay the album and retool it a little bit and make sure that it was perfect? I think it like vindicated the idea of pushing it back. You know, like we, I was really nervous about pushing it back. You know, like I don't, I feel like letting people down is kind of like the worst feeling. And I think the only other alternative was, you know, to put out a record that we thought was mediocre. And so it feels like a little bit vindicating that, like, people came out and bought the one after we, you know, took the time to, like, make the record we wanted. That feels pretty cool. And, you know, how much, like, how did the album change over those months? You you told us in August it was going to be delayed, and um, now it's January. Like, what, what changed over those months? Like, how much of the original album that you had then remained, basically? Yeah, sometimes Patrick says a lot of it, but I don't think so. I mean, I think that the songs that, personally, my personal perspective is that, like, the songs that are out there, obviously, were already out there, but, like, you know, the day after we pushed it back, we wrote all of Last of the Real Ones completely, you know, and I think that pushing the album back allowed us to change the the perspective of the record a little bit. I think it was before it was maybe just an, an immediate follow-up, like perspective-wise and tonally, uh, to uh, American Beauty, American Psycho, and I think we took the time to like really think that like we wanted to do something different and that something that had a different perspective. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it's a completely different album to me. And uh, your single "Hold Me Tight" or "Don't" from the album is moving up on our pop songs airplay chart. Um, so congrats on that again. Can you talk about how that song uh, in particular came together? Yeah, I mean, "Hold Me Tight." Thank you. Uh, "Hold Me Tight." Uh, was one of those ones that wasn't really a song. It was like this, like really, really, really brief idea that Patrick had. And our buddy Johnny Copper uh, kind of messed with it, and it gave it almost like a, a, a reggae swing to it. And it seemed like, oh, like maybe this is something that could sit next to a, a record that like is kind of more world music, which is cool. Um, but and then the song is basically like, you know love from like a, a like Larry David's perspective you know what I mean it's like just very neurotic you know you know I think that uh yeah so that's it yeah that's an amazing uh sound bite for the song <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you just announced your U.S. tour dates behind uh, Mania starting in August in New York. Um, have you already started thinking about what that tour is going to look like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the staging is going to be similar to the first 
tour we did in the fall simply because we're going to a lot of markets that we hadn't um, gone to before, and I want them to be able to see the show, see the show the way we intended it. But some of it's going to be completely different. Like, for example, we're playing um, we're playing outside at Wrigley Field, and 99% of the staging for the, for the tour uh, hangs from the ceiling, and obviously there's not a ceiling on Wrigley Field, so we'll have to figure out some completely different staging. But, yeah, I think a lot of that actually – we do a lot of that thinking before we even put the record out, kind of, which is nice. Uh, and then you always just try to execute it and try not to screw up the execution. Um, and finally, to switch gears to your uh, your DCD2 label, um, you know, you guys are doing well across the board. Max has a hit right now with Lights Down Low featuring Nash, um, you know, which is top 20 on our pop songs chart right now. What is it like to see your signees going out and, and climbing the charts as well? I think it's awesome. I, I, I think that uh, it's really important, as, or something that we've always thought was really important is embracing younger artists and kind of helping magnify what their vision is. This one's like especially um, cool just because Max has really gr- grinded it out. You know, like he really went out there and, you know, played, you know, broke it in Syracuse. and Like he really went out and, and, and did the work, you know, and I think lots of times you, you tell people that, like, you do the work and it'll, you know, you'll see a payoff or whatever, but to actually see it, you know, months later is really cool. And so I'm like, yeah, super proud of them. And what should fans know about what's coming next from the label? Yeah, we have a signing coming in February that's, like, really, really excited about, but we haven't finished the contract, so I can't quite mention it yet, but uh, very excited. Very cool. Well, Pete, thank you so much for hopping on the phone with us, and congratulations again. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Pete for getting on the phone with us to celebrate his new number one, and congrats again. Okay, now let's talk about Grammys and Super Bowl. Let's talk about the Grammys first. Okay. So the Grammys, of course, were this past Sunday on CBS. Um, and Bruno Mars. It was the Bruno Mars The Grammys. Bruno Mars show. Really? I mean, did he win like every category he was on? He literally swept six categories, won them all. Including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year. Indeed. And then all his R&B categories he was in. Which is, which is crazy. But I do want to point out. Yes. Last week on the podcast, when we did the Who Should and Who Will Win, yes, I called it saying that uh, Bruno would win Album of the Year and Record of the Year. I, I did think that Logic was going to win for Song of the Year, mm-hmm. and I said that Alessia Cara would win for New Artist. That's not true. I said Alessia Cara would win for New Artist. No, I no, I said that she would. She was going to be did the. Did we will both win. say? We, that? Said, we both said that, okay. that she was going to be the will win. Okay. And I said that should was going to be SZA. I was happy I got the best new artist, and that's all I got. Literally it. Because I did not predict the Bruno show at all. You thought Kendrick was going to win for Album of the Year. I thought Kendrick would win Album of the Year. I thought Humble was, would oh, win. Yeah, you thought, yeah, I basically yeah. thought that, and a lot of people thought, uh-huh. Twitter thought. That this was going to be <laughs> That it was going to be Rap's year, Kendrick's year. Maybe Jay-Z would get something big. Um, well, the Grammys, The Grammys stacked the deck in the hopes that it would actually pan out that way. But it's hard to get 13,000 people to agree on something. <laughs> yeah, 13,000 voting members of the indeed, Recording Academy. Indeed. Um, yeah, so there was some hand-wringing and griping over Bruno Mars 
winning album and record of the year over Kendrick and Jay-Z. And, and I, I believe that the uh, hand-wringing had nothing to do with, like, people's love of Bruno Mars. Like, people, I mean, obviously Bruno Mars is beloved. It was just that these uh, other albums were maybe more, like, culturally significant. And, you know, Bruno himself and his speech for album of the year referenced Teddy Riley and, and all of the, the many people that came before him that kind of inspired the sound on right. 24 Karat Magic. And uh, I think that's what people kind of were like, hey, like, we've been there, done that. Yes, it's fun. Yes, it gets a party started. But is it like the album of the year, the song of the year, the record of the year of 2018 it's or 2017? Pe- people liked. Yeah. And that's what I like. That's, that's what, what I That's what they liked. I mean, and, and you know, now we've had two years of where it almost seems like the winner of album of the year almost has to apologize for right. winning. You know, last Alessia year. Cara literally did apologize for winning like, Best New Artist. It could have been any of you. My, I mean, really, any of you could have won. Uh, um, you know, none, none of these shows are ever going to get. You're never going to necessarily agree with everything. And if you and if you were, then it'd be really a, a very boring monoculture of some sort where we all like the same thing. Um, and that's sort of the beauty. The beauty of of this is that there's this this great wealth of diversity. Uh, especially now, there's more diversity in ev- than ever in in music because there's just so much of it. Yeah, I think that's also the problem. There's so much of it, and so much of it is fragmented. And for the things that sometimes we think that we can agree on, like oh, we think that this is Kendrick's moment. Right. We think this is the moment for a rap album to win for the first time since Outkast. Um, uh, uh, the speaker box, the love below. That was the last rap album to win, and only two rap albums have really won. Two hip hop albums, yeah. That and Lauren Hill's "The Miseducation of Lauren Hill," and they've tried. They put like rap albums up in the album of the year category almost every year since mm-hmm. Outkast, and mm-hmm. it just it doesn't work. And you know, when when we assume that you know the thirteen thousand voting members of the Recording Academy, a lot of them are probably older people, yeah. And that doesn't mean that they don't necessarily respect. Or uh, or don't like Kendrick or Jay Z or hip hop music it just means that they maybe have a preference or they don't like it. Uh, my mom said that she turned off the show during Kendrick's performance because she just didn't get it. My my <laughs> just straight up didn't get it. My mom posted something on Facebook where she was just like, "I I don't I don't know I don't know a lot of this stuff." And I yeah. said, "Well, but think of it more like you know you're being showcased a lot of stuff that maybe you haven't heard of, and this is a way that you can get a sample a sampler platter right, right. of a lot of interesting things that are happening." She's right. like. Yeah, and then people, you know, of course, a lot of commenters were commenting about how, why was everything so political? Why was, I'm like, well, that's what art is. You know, it often reflects what people see and experience. And I'm like, And oh, what is the current climate, which is a very political one. A very one. highly political climate. And when you have, like, when you have black artists and Latino artists having to create art that reflects their ex- personal experiences, it's hard for that not to be political uh-huh. sometimes. Come on, people. What? But I will say, <laughs> you know, anyway, Kendrick and Bruno... Some of my favorite performances of the night. The Kendrick performance was really visually incredibly stunning, and I loved, I loved the Dave Chappelle little bits. <laughs> I really did, and I, I liked that you uh, two rolled out, or at least Bono and the Edge kind came of unnecessary. But... Yeah, I thought I liked it all though. Yeah. It was like a great medley of of that great album, mm-hmm. and then Bruno Mars and Cardi B were incredible it mm-hmm. was like just hilarious and cross colors and just i loved it yeah so, i mean there are a lot of amazing performances i was particularly jazzed i know this is terrible not terrible but i'm picking something that probably isn't an obvious thing but i really loved the tribute to broadway oh my god tribute to leonard bernstein and andrew lloyd weber where ben platt 
of course, the Tony Award winner from Dear Evan Hansen, and he was also a Grammy Award winner for the first time that night for his cast recording of Dear Evan Hansen. He performed Somewhere, which is, of course, from West Side Story, and that was immediately followed by Patti LuPone reprising her performance of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina from the 1981 Grammy Awards from, of course, Evita. It's freaking Patti LuPone. And, like, not a lot of people whose signature song came you know, 30-odd years prior, could then get up on stage and and perform it it that well. And still sing it amazingly. Yeah. I mean, Ben Platt, I just... Oh, my God. He's just the bee's knees. I thought that was an incredible performance. The arrangement of that song was, like, haunting. Like, it Mm -hmm. sounded to me... I said this in my article because I wrote up the piece about these two performances that it reminded me of like almost like a Simon and Garfunkel kind of take on it. Like, Sounds of Silence or something. And it turned it into like this... like. It made me listen to the song in a completely new way, and his vocal was just stupid. Like, yeah. his high notes were gorgeous. They were so beautiful. Um, so we both loved that. Yeah. I mean, I loved, I loved, um, I, I, I thought Kesha's performance was was very affecting. I thought it was great to have her sort of chorus of women alongside her, Bibi Rexa, Cindy Lauper, Andrew Day, Camila Cabello, and, oh, goodness, um, I forgot the fourth woman, who I apologize that was there was a fifth there was a fifth woman that was wow you just named everybody that i knew um there was the resistance revival chorus behind behind her as well there was another there was another uh no there was another contemporary uh uh female artist that was on stage i apologize um i i thought that was great um i mean there were some some performances that were just like not really essential yes i mean i i didn't think we need to see tiny dancer again by elton john although Uh, miley sounded great my i yeah <laughs> um, and, and you know there were some other performances that were just like eh we didn't really need them and maybe those slots could have been taken up by other things but that always happens that's yeah. just you know but you know it's the Grammys so um, oh by the way if you guys still want to you, you may be able to check it out you can ch- check out our uh, Grammy pre-show that ran on Twitter um, you would have heard my disembodied voice throughout the show last I saw people. it's still the pinned tweet on Billboard's Twitter account yeah, yeah and like yesterday I think and yesterday meaning uh monday what day is it like probably <laughs> monday or tuesday um it had like over nine million cumulative v- that's views, incredible um which whoa. is which is nuts whoa um but yeah i talked to all sorts of people on the carpet uh i i spoke to um uh little big town thomas Rhett. actually a lot of country people little big town thomas Rhett. um lady antebellum yeah, or mantebellum they call themselves mantebellum <laughs> oh you saw that video yes. <laughs> um mantebellum um i talked to ben platt on the carpet um, did you see that Hillary actually had her baby? She did. Yeah, like j- like Monday. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah she just had she, Hillary Scott from Lady Antebellum. I she, say. Yeah, she's one third of Lady Antebellum, so she really could really have could not have been yeah. there on Sunday. She would have literally popped. Um, yeah, I talked to a whole bunch of folks on the carpet, which is of course glamorous, and um, yeah. So um, I don't know. Uh, should we move on to Super Bowl? I mean, yes. Can you believe these two events are sandwiched like in this one week? It's so insane. It's, it only happens because of the Winter Olympics. And uh-huh. don't, don't the Winter Olympics start like in like a week and a half yeah. or two weeks? Mm-hmm. That's the and, and if you guys were wondering why does it seem like the Grammys were earlier this year and why are the Academy Awards later this year? It's because everyone is trying to avoid competing against the Winter Olympics because they are such this huge rating dominance that you just don't want to go up against them. So that's why the Grammys were in January this year instead of February, and that's why the Academy Awards are in March instead of February. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, so Justin, of course, is headlining the Super Bowl halftime show, and, and uh, oh, Pink is singing. Pink the, will sing the National, national Anthem. anthem. Um, All right. And, I mean, if, you, if anyone cares, Leslie Odom Jr. will, did I get his name right? Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing God Bless America. 
three stellar voices. Exactly. Three wonderful entertainers. But, like, let's be honest, it's all about Justin. <laughs> Said as a JT Queen. All right, um, what are the three things you want from this performance? And this is not scripted. This is just us vamping. What are the three things you want to see? Well, I've been thinking a lot about what I would want from the set list. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, there's going to be at least one track from Man of the Woods because his album comes out on um, Friday before the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think Filthy is the one that's going to need to be played because think, it's going to be the party and starter. I think that's still like the radio single they're working. So yes. you, and you want a big dance number to Filthy. Unless he brings Chris Stapleton out. What if they do both? Like, okay. Do, do a minute of Filthy and then bring Chris Stapleton out for like, you know, sort of the middle, like the, the, the bridge, so to speak. For Say Something? Yeah, for like a minute and a half. And then that segues to a big blowout performance. I'm not mad at that. I, and, he has and I mean, twelve minutes to do anything he wants. And I honestly think he's made enough of an impact, like in this month leading up with those two songs, that like it wouldn't be that crazy. I mean, Beyonce did Formation like a day after it premiered online, for instance. Yeah, Beyonce is also yeah. So Beyonce can do anything she wants. <laughs> um, yes, but she only did one new song, and she was part of a larger performance by Coldplay. This is true, but I also think the real question is whether he will even touch the NSYNC catalog. And whether we want him to, and whether NSYNC needs to be there for that. Those are the questions I have going into it. Okay. I, you want hits. Hits, 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 hits. Yes. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. You have, you have a, you have a stadium with like 70,000 people. You have a, He's got plenty of solo hits to do it himself, right? Yes. He doesn't need to rely on NSYNC. Yeah. And he usually, I don't think he probably performs NSYNC songs in concert. No, never. I've, no. I've gone to them all, all the tours. No. Nary an NSYNC song. Like he doesn't even like, like a blip of anything. No, I mean, in, obviously like a song like Gone, for instance, is a Justin Timberlake solo song, basically. Right. Well, um, I don't think we need NSYNC songs. And that's probably okay. If he does want to have a moment with mm-hmm. NSYNC, that would be bad. But I think a lot of people already felt like we got that moment on the VMAs a few years ago. See, I kind of want it. And I, ma- I would love it, too. I would welcome it. I think that I think if he did it in the vein of Beyonce's Super Bowl where she had Destiny's Child just burst up from the floor and then burst right back in <laughs> after doing a very slight medley of songs, I think that people would be here for that. And I think that it would be like a nod to his beginnings. And I think that those songs are big enough and fun enough that it it would just be like huge. I don't know if Bye 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 just rolled in real quick and then the dudes left and then it's back to the JT show. But I don't know that he'll do that. What were the two songs he did on the VMAs with NSYNC? He did Girlfriend and then he did, what was the the up-tempo song? Uh, I don't remember. Really? As yeah. Queen JT, you don't even remember. I mean, listen, we're by our computers, as you mentioned, so here we go. Wasn't it Bye Bye Bye? It would make sense to be Bye Bye Bye. Hmm. Pretty sure it was Bye Bye Bye. <laughs> as we look. I mean, I have a feeling like he won't do it again because it'll just be literally the same thing. NSYNC pops up, NSYNC sings a minute with Justin, and then NSYNC goes right. away. I'm like, he's like, been there, done that. This is my show. We're not honoring NSYNC. Which is kind of why other people like who have been asking for the whole like Janet Jackson moment, mm-hmm. um, it's another like reason why that probably wouldn't happen. Like, I think Justin wants to keep the attention on Justin. And if the Janet moment were to happen, it would become, that would be the only headline. Everyone's talking about Janet. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, did you find out yet? Evidently not. Um, uh-huh. I think I, the songs I want, and then we can, you know, quickly move on after you've figured out what he actually sang at the VMAs. Um, I'm sure there's a wiki page for the no, VMAs. No, it is bye-bye-bye, but it looks like 
Oh, and gone. Yeah. But you said girlfriend. I don't think girlfriend. Would you be my girlfriend? That's what they started off with. Mm, this article from Billboard.com. Oh, might be misleading. Does not say, does not mention girlfriend. But you know, what are we gonna do? We don't we we don't know clearly. No, I vividly remember. I see. I remember you. They panned to the audience. Taylor Swift was like gasping with Selena. <laughs> Lady Gaga was jumping up and down with shells over her boobs <laughs> over girlfriend. <laughs> Oh, please. Wiki, they're wrong. I'm getting failed right now by the internet. So he needs to sing Sexy Back. Yes. He needs to sing probably like Rock Your Body. He Maybe he needs to sing. He kind of has to sing Can't Stop the Feeling. Oh, yes, he That's does. That's like literally his biggest hit now. Yeah, he needs to sing Can't Stop the Feeling, Sexy Back. Because you have to think of like, remember when we when Katy Perry did the, award, did the show, you're like, she has to do fireworks. She has to do like... I kissed a girl. She has to do all of her number ones, basically. You have to do the most popular songs. That's what you have to do. But I, as a fan of his first album, I, I gotta hear "Like I Love You." I gotta hear "Cry Me a River." I gotta hear "Senorita." Too slow. You have to do fast songs. But "Cry Me a River" so good. Like if he's gonna do any sort of slowish moment, like "Oh, Cry Me a River." That just slows it down. Like, if we're going to do a slow song, bring out Chris Stapleton yeah. at a football game. Yeah. You know, with a bunch of, like, you know, football fans. Red-blooded football fans. They're going to love Chris Stapleton uh. and have, like, sort of a twangy moment. And then that segues into, just think of what Gaga did last year, which was so, it was just, Gaga had, like, the perfect hat. She did it just right. And yes, I love Madonna. Mm-hmm. But Gaga's performance was just so amazing. It was perfectly organized, produced, Perf- staged. Perfect balance. She yeah. had the moment with a million reasons, and then she blew it out of the water at the at, a, at yep. the end with Bad Romance. Yep, yep. Like, do that. Yeah. And I think that's what I... So. Is Sexy Back the finale then? Or Can't, no, can't, or stop, can't the, stop the Feeling. Can't Stop the Feeling. You probably have to start... You either you, you probably start with a song that no one knows, meaning... Filthy. Filthy, meaning the masses. Right. And then you segue into the big, big hits. Yeah. And then you have a small break with another song that no one knows for like 45 <laughs> seconds. And then you go into the end with like Sexy Back or Can't Stop the Feeling. Does Jay-Z come out for Suit and Tie? No. He's not going to do Suit and Tie. <laughs> Does anyone come out, honestly? You think Chris Stapleton? I don't think he needs anyone to come Chris out. Chris Stapleton's the most likely. Gaga had no one come out. Yep. I know. And, and I Gaga expected just, Gaga somebody. Like, I expected Beyonce to show yeah. up. Yeah. But like Gaga was like, I don't need anyone yeah. else. Yeah. And Justin could be like, I don't want anyone else. I want no one to come out of this. <laughs> He's like, to- I might need him, but I don't want him. <laughs> I was like, yeah. It's like, he doesn't need Stapleton. Right. Maybe he, maybe he won't be there. Yeah. It's like, I can play the guitar. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Let's, let's, uh, let's uh, move on to the chart stat of the week. All right. 20 years ago this week, speaking of which, Janet oh, Jackson. Hey. Janet Jackson topped the Billboard Hot 100 with Together Again. The single rose to the top of the list dated January 31st, 1998, and spent a total of two weeks at number one. It was her eighth of, so far, ten number one hits on the Hot 100. She's since followed it with the chart-topping singles Doesn't Really Matter in 2000 and All For You in 2001. Jackson is one of only nine acts that have had ten number one songs. Katie. Can you guess some of the rest? That is a lot of number ones. Oh, I mean, you can just guess a couple. I mean, they're all kind of obvious. Um, well, just guess. I'm gonna go with the Beatles. Yep, they have the most at 20. I'm gonna go with Elvis Presley. No. I'm gonna go with Mariah Carey. Yep, she has 18. That's the second most. I'm gonna go with Rihanna. She has the third most with 14. There you go. Oh. So then, I'm going af- in order. then after that, Michael Jackson with 13, Madonna with 12, the Supremes also have 12, Whitney Houston has 11, and then two acts have 10 each, Janet Jackson and Stevie Wonder. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So there you have it. 20 years ago this week, Janet Jackson hit number one with Together Again. Okay. 
Um, any parting words, Katie? Funny, like we, we we insisted that this show was going to come in at a certain time, but we just got so, so chatty about the Grammys. This is what happens. When Grammys we and Super Bowl are just good topics. When like we, when we don't have a script for those sections, we I just know, get all we chatty. can ramble. This is what we do. Hopefully, you guys like the rambling, though. Yes, yes. Well, um, any, uh, any parting words except for watch the Super Bowl? Obviously, we got to go out on bye bye bye, right? Because <laughs> we're not going to hear it on the Super Bowl this weekend. <laughs> exactly. All right. Bye bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.